1 Corinthians 6, verses 1 to 9. Lawsuits among believers. If any of you has a dispute with another, do you dare to take it before the ungodly for judgment instead of before the Lord's people? Or do you not know that the Lord's people will judge the world? And if you are to judge the world, are you not competent to judge trivial cases? Do you not know that we will judge angels? How much more the things of this life? Therefore, if you have disputes about such matters, do you ask for a ruling from those whose way of life is scorned in the church? I say this to shame you. Is it possible that there is nobody among you wise enough to judge a dispute between believers? But instead, one brother takes another to court, and this in front of unbelievers. The very fact that you have lawsuits among you means you have been completely defeated already. Why not rather be wronged? Why not rather be cheated? Instead, you yourselves cheat and do wrong, and you do this to your brothers and sisters. Or do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? This is God's word. Thanks, Fred. Morning, everyone. My name's Scott. Shall I pray as, um, as we look at God's word together? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, however each of us comes this morning, we need you to speak to us. And we praise you that you have spoken uh, through your word. Father, please would we hear it and respond to it rightly, that we might bring glory to the Lord Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. Don't take believers to court. That's the title uh, uh, at the top of our service, uh, top of our sermon outline this morning. About once a year, I reckon the sermon outline, the sermon title, hits it bang on. Uh, and this is that Sunday. Don't take believers to court. That's what, we're, uh, that's what this passage is all about, uh, as we had it read. Uh, you'll have followed that. Um, as I've been thinking about this passage, when you're thinking about sort of lawsuits uh, and, and this passage in 1 Corinthians, uh, you, uh, you spend a lot of time doing research uh, through the week, which basically means you, uh, you Google uh, for all sorts of crazy uh, things that, that people have taken out lawsuits for. Um, I'll, I'll not give you uh, the full list, but let me, um, let me share just a couple of, uh, of my favorite ones. And most of them do, do come from across the Atlantic, um, perhaps un, unsurprisingly. Um, uh, we've got an, uh, an American dentist, Edward Gumpson. Um, he, he booked a holiday, or at least he thought he'd booked a holiday, to Granada in Spain. He'd always wanted to see the Alhambra uh, in, in Granada, so he, he booked these flights um, or at least he thought he'd booked flights to Grenada. Actually, he'd booked flights to Grenada, uh, the Caribbean island. And so he ended up, I mean, boohoo for him, he ended up on the Caribbean island for a week, but he was so disappointed that he sued at British Airways for not making it clear on their website where Grenada was and where Grenada was. There we go. I don't know if he won. I, didn't, I, I couldn't find that out. It's maybe still ongoing. Other favorite one, Stacey Pincus. Um, she's a regular customer. Um, at Starbucks in California. Um, she sued Starbucks when her iced coffee had too much ice in it. Too much ice in it. 
Uh, she was pretty distressed, so she sued. Um, there are, I can tell you, there are endless examples of ridiculous lawsuits that, that, that people have brought. We live in a culture, don't we, where the default uh, for so many is to sue. Uh, on speed dial, uh, lots of people have their mother uh, and their lawyer as a sort of top two uh, phone calls that they might make. Now, that sort of thing, I guess, is becoming, we, we sort of laugh and we know it's a bit ridiculous, but it is becoming increasingly um, the norm in, in 21st century, uh, in the West at least. But the church is meant to be different. The church is meant to be different in lots of areas, including in very practical areas like lawsuits. Uh, we are supposed to resolve our disputes differently uh, to the rest of the world. Not just because uh, uh, we're, we want to be generous so we don't want to pay extortionate legal fees, but actually because who the church are, who we are as the church, we are different. Disputes will arise, won't they? Church is a family, and like any family, there will be disagreements. Uh, there'll be fallings out. But just like a, 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 when relationships are close, like they should be in a church, there will be times when we rub each other up the wrong way and actually where we do harm uh, sometimes to one another. Um, I, I don't know, as you sit here this morning, how tempted you are uh, to file legal action against someone else who's sitting here this morning. I, I don't know. I, I guess that's fairly unlikely uh, for most of us, but who knows? And actually for all of us, uh, we need to think about how we deal with our disputes, our disagreements. Uh, because even if that's not our situation now, it may be, uh, you, you don't know what's around the corner. We may be tempted uh, in the future to uh, take, take a brother or sister to court. How should we deal with them, uh, those disputes, when they come up? That's what we'll be thinking about uh, the, this morning. Let me just remind us of where we are in 1 Corinthians. The Corinthian church, um, it looks very much like Corinthian society. If you place the church up against regular Corinth, uh, they look almost identical. And um, so Paul has had to remind the Christians in the church that being a Christian isn't about being flash and successful, which is what life is like in, in Corinth. It is about following after a crucified savior. Um, it's about weakness. It's about being weak and foolish in the eyes of the world. And that makes a difference in almost every area of our lives. So Paul's been sort of spelling out that principle in general. And last week was the first week we looked at sort of a specific issue. How does that apply in, uh, in sexual immorality that was going on in the church? That was chapter five. This week, um, it's about disputes between believers, which have ended up in the law, in the law courts. Now, we might be thinking, I suppose, well, um, lawsuits, not quite as ex exciting as uh, sexual immorality, not quite as juicy, but... Um, but we do need to think about this because we should be, as a church, shaped by the wisdom of the cross, not by the wisdom of the world. Um, the church that is distinctive in its culture um, should be very different to the world around it. See, the cross, isn't it? Jesus, when he goes to the cross, it's all about him giving up his rights to serve other people. He gives up his rights and serves others. But taking a brother or sister to court is all about, well, it's all about standing up for your rights in order to defeat others. 
So in Corinth, and in general society in Corinth, you exert your rights and you get what is owed to you. And that attitude has just infiltrated the church. The church is no different to the society around it. So I don't know what that, what that might have looked like, what specific issue he's talking about in the church in Corinth. We don't know. But I guess uh, in a regular church, it might be, I don't know, someone, someone's provided a meal for you and you get food poisoning. What are you going to do? You're going to call the lawyer? You're going to sort it out? Maybe, um, uh, maybe you buy a car off someone uh, in church and a couple of weeks later, it uh, totally falls apart. The exhaust falls out. The engine falls onto the road. What are you going to do? Maybe, um, maybe you own a flat and you're renting it out to, to another couple at church and they suddenly stop paying the rent. They haven't paid for months. Uh, what do you do? Get on the phone to the lawyer. There's lots of examples where little disputes could become uh, bigger ones. I don't know, we don't know what the issue was in Corinth, but Paul is pretty clear, whatever the issue is, whatever the example, he wants the church to act in a way that reflects the fact that they are church. He says, don't take your brother or sister to court. Look down at verse one again. If any of you has a dispute with another, do you dare to take it before the ungodly for judgment instead of before the Lord's people? It is a fairly straightforward um, point that he's making, isn't it? But do you hear the tone that Paul makes it in? Um, he's, he's almost exasperated. Do you dare uh, to do this? See all the questions that he has, some question after question, trying to get across just how wrong their attitude is. I mean, it's almost as if Paul can't quite believe that he's having to speak about this at all. All the things he could be writing to them about, and yet this is what he's having uh, to focus on. Isn't it obvious that within a church family, believers shouldn't be taking each other to court? Well, clearly it wasn't obvious, which is why he's had to write this part. Um, as I was uh, looking for lots of ridiculous lawsuits, you don't find that many ridiculous examples of, of lawsuits between families, actually. Certainly not, not ones that would make you laugh. Um, because I guess we know that when... Uh, when a loss is, is within a family, it's pretty devastating. Um, and just as, as family lawsuits uh, within a biological family are, are horrific, uh, so they are within a church. It has a devastating impact. And so Paul uh, has to deal with it head on. What is it that Paul means when he says, don't, don't take a believer to court? And we might be thinking, it, it all just sounds a bit sort of strange. Does it mean... Uh, as a church, we're supposed to set up our own sort of um, parallel justice system, uh, and everything goes through uh, th uh, through the church justice system. Um, it would be a bit like um, I don't know if you saw the the, uh, the article in the this week about the couple in Australia um, uh, who had refused to pay their tax bill to the Australian government because uh, they claimed um, their their allegiance was to God. This is what they said, transferring our allegiance from God to the commonwealth, the country, would mean rebelling against God and therefore breaking the first commandment. It's an interesting argument. Uh, that, that's what they said in order to, to not pay their tax bill. The judge didn't quite agree. Um, in, in his judgment, Associate Justice Stephen Holt 
it sounds like a very sensible chap, said that while he believed that this couple, um, that their beliefs were genuinely held, he said there was no specific reference in the Bible to support their argument. Hmm. He is right. Um, <laughs> in, in, in fact, it would be the opposite. The Bible would strongly encourage people to pay their taxes. Um, but th- this couple clearly hadn't uh, got to that part. Um, and so the, the, the judge ordered them to pay their $1 million and one million Aussie dollar, that's, uh, that's probably about one million pounds now, um, one million dollar tax bill. So that didn't, that didn't work out too well. It, you know, is that what we should be doing, refusing to sort of submit to the laws of the country and only um, having this sort of parallel justice system? I, that's not what um, Paul's talking about uh, clearly from the way he, 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 well, talks about it here and the other instructions he gives elsewhere, Romans 15, uh, he'll talk pretty warmly and pretty encouragingly about uh, the, the justice systems uh, that are set in place over us. So we're not talking here about criminal um, cases. Uh, we're just not. Um, he says that, doesn't he? He says he talks about trivial cases and disputes. Um, so let's be clear. Where there is illegal activity uh, within a church or, or where we know of illegal activity, we're not supposed to try and cover it up um, and keep it quiet and, and keep it within ourselves. And um, that, that just ends up causing a lot more harm than good uh, in the long run. So we're not to cover up crime. Um, so if, if we did know that, um, that someone in the church family was harming, abusing a, a, another member of the church family, we'd want to report that. That's not something that church deals with internally. That, that gets reported uh, and, and justice is, is sought. And we're not talking here about criminal cases. We are talking about civil, uh, civil disputes. And Paul says that where that is the case within a church, our first instinct shouldn't be to pick up the phone to the lawyer, but to go to the church. Disputes will happen, but we're not to take one another to court. Why? That's that's what we're going to look at in our three main points. Paul gives three reasons why it is totally um, inappropriate for Christians to take one another to court. And that's where we're going to spend our time. That's where on your outline, you'll see the three reasons that Paul gives us why we're not to take one another to court. The first of those is that the church will judge the world. Let me read again from verse two. Do you not know that the Lord's people will judge the world? And if you are to judge the world, are you not competent to judge trivial cases? Do you not know that we will judge angels? How much more the things of this life? Therefore, if you have disputes about such matters, Do you ask for a ruling from those whose way of life is scorned in the church? I say this to shame you. Is it possible that there is nobody among you wise enough to judge a dispute between believers, but instead one brother takes another to court? Paul says the first reason why it's inappropriate is that the Lord's people will have the extraordinary task of judging the world. The Bible doesn't spell out exactly what what we mean by that. Um, Judgment, it says, belongs to Jesus and Jesus alone. But there is some sense in which as believers are united to Christ, um, we have a part in judgment. Um, Equally, in the the Bible, the, the whole idea of judging is a bit more, it is broader than just declaring a verdict. Uh, It is that sense of uh, ruling over, um, having authority over 
Uh, you get that in the book of Judges in the Old Testament where the judges are sort of the leaders uh, of the people. But wh- whatever exactly Paul means by Christians having, uh, having that status of judging the world, the point he's making is that they will be given a huge responsibility, even to the point of judging angels. So he says, shouldn't we be able to sort out the, the disagreements that come between us? We get that, don't we? So, someone who is going to have a big responsibility should be able to cope with smaller ones. Um, so say someone was, I don't know, standing for the office of prime minister uh, of, of the United Kingdom. You, you might legitimately uh, want to know a bit about their previous experience, how they've got on in their former roles. And you might even want to know about, uh, a bit about their private life and what they get up to at home. Because if, if you're going to run the country, well, then you should be able to run your own life. If you're going to make decisions that impact on other people, then you should be able to show that you can make decisions that have a good impact at closer to home. We get that, don't we? If you're going to have a big responsibility, uh, you should be able to cope with a smaller one. So Christians are going to judge the world and so we should be able to, to judge between the disputes that arise within us, between us. Why is that? Or how is that? How, how are we to do that? If, if it is the church that should decide uh, disputes between us, how, how do we actually go about that? Well, he doesn't go into detail um, here. Uh, if you want to think a bit more about that, Matthew 18 is where Jesus outlines a very simple, straightforward Uh, approach uh, that is basically you go and speak to the individual if you have been wronged. Um, If they don't listen, you take some others from the church along, uh, one or two others. And if they still won't listen, then uh, you get get the church uh, in general, uh, the the wider church to speak to it. Uh, Matthew 18 is where where you find that. It sounds very sensible, doesn't it? Very sensible. But how often do we actually do that? When was the last time we actually did that when there was a disagreement uh, between us? Maybe that's not our situation at the minute, but there may come a time and a place when, uh, when we need to know that that's what the Bible would have us do uh, when we fall out, when we have disagreements. And it probably does start with our smaller disagreements, doesn't it? If we're pretty far from, uh, from suing one another, we probably need to learn how to deal with our small disagreements are we actually willing to speak to one another about hurts that have been caused? Do we offer one another the opportunity to ask forgiveness uh, for things that have been done to us? If we did that in the, in the small disputes that we had, maybe when it came to larger ones, when they do come, we'd be more ready uh, to do it in a way that, that the Bible would agree with. I guess our danger for many of us, we've already said, it won't necessarily be direct uh, uh, litigation. But how likely are we to harbor anger and bitterness against things that people have said or done uh, towards us? How willing are we to speak to people about that lovingly, to acknowledge uh, hurts caused? We need to be ready, don't we, to deal with our disputes. And church should be a place where we can do that. Because, Paul says, the church will eventually one day judge 
the whole world. That's the first reason Paul gives for why it's just inappropriate for believers to take one another to court. It's, it's an internal reason, isn't it? It's looking inwards at the church. The second reason Paul gives, he looks outwards. He says it doesn't just affect the church. Uh, it affects uh, those who are watching. The world is watching. Put verse six again. But instead, one brother takes another to court, and this in front of unbelievers. Not sure there's, there's anything much more damaging to the witness of the church than persistent infighting uh, within it. It's bad enough, isn't it, when churches can't agree on points of doctrine or uh, faith, but that at least is what the church is about. So there's always going to be some, uh, some disagreements there, and you can work through that. But when it's personal, when it's just little disagreements that, that we can't resolve, that's, um, that's pretty damaging. And it's clear from the context that what's going on in Corinth is not sort of disagreements over big theological issues. It is just personal things, disputes, disagreements, everyday disputes over money, uh, over property, over status, over reputation. And the world is watching. The world will always keep an eye on what the church is up to. I guess because the, the claims of the Christian faith are so huge. People, people do have an interest. If these claims are really true, it, it should have an impact on how you live. And so when that's not the case, well, people take note of that. Don't know if, um, how much you've been following the golf this week. Uh, Rory McIlroy, uh, North, fellow Northern Irishman, the big hope, the big home favorite uh, for the open golf, uh, which is taking place in Northern Ireland this week. Everyone was watching him as he stepped up onto the, the first tee to take his first shot. Uh, his first shot went miles out of bounds. Uh, he ends up having a horrific score on the first hole, his chances of winning almost gone uh, from the very first shot. Uh, he took. And of course, all the papers were there. It was, uh, it was front page, back page news uh, the next day that he had failed uh, to meet up uh, to the standard, meet up to his billing. Now, he wasn't the worst there. His score wasn't the worst. But his failure was the most interesting uh, to the watching world because he had been, well, he, well, not he, but such big claims had been made about him and how he was going to win. The world does have a strange fascination uh, with the goings-on uh, of the church. You can picture it, can't you? As these Corinthian Christians um, are in court hurling insult and counterclaim at one another, the, the journalists are there in the public galleries, and they're jotting down um, all the details. And so the next morning, uh, the papers are full of, full of headlines about these Christians. New religious group, uh, completely divided. They claim to be one in Christ, but now they're tearing each other apart over unpaid rent or whatever it is. I guess you could imagine a, a, a non-believer in Corinth, and someone who wasn't yet a Christian, opening up their paper and reading that. I suppose they would just roll their eyes and think, eh, just like everybody else, no different. And they'd probably just pop it in the recycling bin along with the invitation to church that their neighbor had popped through their door. If you've ever been part of a church where a dispute like this is broken out, you know what damage it does 
to the standing of the church within, within a community. I mean, it sucks up so much time and energy and people just don't listen to what the church has to say because of it. So I wonder if uh, one question we'd want to ask before, if we were considering um, legal action against a brother or sister, would be this. What impact is this dispute going to have on the witness of the church? What is a non-believer looking in going to think? See, wouldn't it be better uh, to let something go than damage the, the witness of the church? I guess if someone put it to you as a stark choice, but you've got a choice. Either you can win this case against your fellow Christian, you can be proved right in every respect, or um, uh, the whole family down the street will come to church and hear the gospel and put their trust in Christ. Which, which of those would you choose? I guess most of us would, would probably say we wouldn't, we wouldn't choose this one. We'd choose for the, that family to come and to know Christ. But actually, is that what we're going to do? We don't, we don't get that choice when we've got the choice of shall I take legal action or not. It's not quite that stark. But don't allow public disputes to damage uh, the witness of the gospel. The world is watching. That's the second reason why it's totally inappropriate for Christians to go to court against one another. The third and, and final one is that winning may mean you actually lose. Winning may mean you lose. Look at verse seven. The very fact that you have lawsuits among you means you have been completely defeated already. Why not rather be wronged? Why not rather be cheated? I think this is where Paul gets um, the most radical. He says the outcome is not actually what matters. Um, if the lawsuit is happening in the first place, you have been completely defeated already. Not, note who he's talking about. It's not, it's not just the individual that will lose that case. It is even the one who will win that case. I mean, it's not just the individuals involved, uh, but the whole church. No one wins when one believer takes another to court. No one what is Paul proposing then? Am I supposed to just let myself be out of pocket? Am I supposed to let my reputation uh, be damaged? Well, I think that is what Paul is suggesting here, isn't it? Why not rather be wronged? Why not rather be cheated? See, if everyone is going to lose in the end, isn't it better that, that one person takes the hit? Isn't it better to be out of pocket than to take a brother or sister to court? Isn't it better to lose face or reputation than to take that dispute and bring division uh, within the church family? That, that might sound a bit crazy uh, to us, doesn't it? it? It is a totally different view of our rights I guess our culture is, is all about claiming our rights, isn't it? How dare you? This is my right. Well, the Bible would say, why not rather be wronged? Why not rather be cheated? And the Corinthians haven't been doing this. Verse 8, instead, you yourselves cheat and do wrong, and you do this to your brothers and sisters. 
Just note who he's, he's talking to there. And he isn't talking about the person who has done the wrong thing in the first place. Actually, he's talking about those who are taking others to court. Those who are potentially in the right, legally speaking. But because they're taking their brother or sister to court, and they are the ones who are cheating and doing wrong. I guess that, that is a serious thing. If you read on verse 9, that's why we had uh, the first part of verse 9 read, because it is serious. Look down again at verse 9. Or do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? See, if you thought we were just talking about a sort of side issue, well, it's suddenly escalated pretty quickly, hasn't it? Verses 9 to 11, um, they're much more famous verses uh, than verses 1 to 8, and we will uh, we'll be looking at them after the summer when we come back to 1 Corinthians. But it's important to see verse 9 um, in the context of 1 to 8 to, to understand the seriousness of the issues we're talking about. This isn't just some optional extra uh, on the side for like super keen uh, Christians over here. You know, the word for wrongdoer, when Paul says wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God, it's the same word that he'd used in 7 and 8, verse 7 and 8, to describe those who are taking one another to court. The danger is real, Paul says. If, if you're the sort of person who doesn't think twice about dragging a fellow believer to court, well, then you've got to ask a, a big question about whether you are part of God's people. It's pretty serious, isn't it? So I guess the question in that sort of situation is, what do we care about most? Do we care most about claiming our rights, what is rightfully ours, legally ours even? Or do we care about eternal good, our eternal good, and the witness of the church, the other person? It is fairly straightforward, isn't it? Don't take another believer to court but it's also quite difficult. It is a radical way of viewing our rights. And if, if it all just seems a bit uh, far out and, and radical, then we need to remember what Jesus calls us to do as believers. He calls us to deny ourselves, to take up our cross and to follow him. See, laying down our rights for the sake of others is the pattern of Christ crucified. I mean, it's not very Corinthian, it's not very 21st century London, but it is the Christian pattern. Just think of, of Jesus suffering unjustly uh, on the cross. I mean, he could have called down a legion of angels. That was his right as the son of God as the creator and sustainer of the whole universe, of every molecule. But he didn't do that, did he? He gladly gave up his rights for the sake of others. Not because injustice doesn't matter, but because he entrusted himself to his father. He knew that his father would vindicate him as he rose from the dead. And so Jesus let himself be wronged and cheated because he knew that there was a greater glory to come. He knew that by giving up 
his rights, he would save many. As, as people who live then, um, or who seek to live by the wisdom of the cross, not the wisdom of the world, and we should be those who live differently, even in something as straightforward, as basic as lawsuits. See, if we're trusting in Jesus, we don't need to be proved right now. Because we know that, that God will right all wrongs in eternity. We don't need to claim our rights. We can lay them down for the sake of others. That will be very different. If we lived like that, that would be very different uh, to the world around us, wouldn't it? It might seem strange, but it would bring glory uh, to the Lord Jesus. If we're going to do that, we will, of course, need God's help. So let's pray as we finish. Heavenly Father, we know that, that we are very quick to claim our rights, to stand on them. And if that means disputes with others, even in the church, Father, we're pretty quick to do that. Father, we ask that you would save us from the, the danger of the temptation of, of dragging another brother or sister through the law courts. But we pray even more than that, that we would be those who are able to lay down our rights for the sake of others. Father, we praise you that that is what the Lord Jesus did for us. Thank you that eternity is offered to us in Christ because of what he gave, what he willingly gave for us. Father, would, would we be those who live differently as a result? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.